I'm gonna be honest, I have not seen Schindler's List. What? I'm not interested in changing that. What? <laughs> oh. Is that the worst thing I've ever said on this podcast? Maybe. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Daryl. We are geeks, and we love geek stories. Science fiction, fantasy, comic books. We love to love geek stories, but sometimes we also love to hate them. (laughs) We have opinions, and we want to share them. That's what we're doing today. The Story Geeks are going to hash it out. That's right, and we'd love for you to join the conversation. I'm Daryl's co-host, Jay, and we want to hear your thoughts, so hash it out with us. Make sure you're subscribed on our blog, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or YouTube, and leave us a comment. If you're watching live on YouTube, some of you are, um, you can even ask us questions or give us your opinions while we're streaming. We will actually read them off. Um, we'll actually discuss them, and today's going to be really important for that, based on what the topic we're Yeah, we need your help on. today. Yeah, so <laughs> make sure you click the subscribe button so you can join us in the future. And as always, the Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. That's right. So our topic today is we are going to determine the most iconic Steven Spielberg geek films. Obviously, that's going to bring a lot to mind. So, <laughs> And we'll get to all of it. Um, so we are actually going to go through. We've chosen a list of 13 films. Well, I've chosen a list of 13 films. You guys haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And we're going to go through each one. And um, we've got a board for visuals and everything, and we are going to rank these films. But here's the thing. We're only going to rank 12 films. One of these films is going to get the boot. Yeah. And we, we think we might know which one that is, but we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it as we go. Sort of obvious. Yeah. It is sort of obvious. <laughs> so it deserves it, too. Maybe it won't be that one. It probably will. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then... I think we're going to have some specific Patreon content after this as well. We are, yeah. So after um, we record, we finish the live broadcast, and after we finish the podcast, for our Patreon subscribers, and I'll talk about Patreon later in the show and how you can get access to this content, but we are going to have content specific to Patreon. Our Patreon supporters will be able to access it, and it will be about our top five Steven Spielberg geek Films. That's right. So our person, not only just the iconic that we decide together, that we hash it out together with every, everybody in this studio plus everybody on YouTube, but our actual personal top. But five. our actual personal top five as well. No rhyme or reason. Just I love it. Exactly. Right? That's right. Exactly. It's theoretically possible that one of us could have a film that is not on this list of thirteen. Ooh. If you can argue that it's a geek film, mm. which we've. We've basically said is really oh. not that hard to do. No, no, it's really not. Yeah, we kind of accept we kind of accept most submissions. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, another way you can support us is by writing us a review on iTunes. It helps us get more views. It helps us get um, get the podcast out to more people's eyes and ears. And so that would be really helpful. Um, I believe we have a review that we'll read at the end of the show. Yep, we can do that. Cool. We've got plenty of them. So. By now, you're all wondering who this mystery person is sitting next to me. So, Jay, tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah, Sandra Demas. So, I met Sandra really randomly through a mutual friend. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, so how how in the world does this person know this person? Um, So, reached out to Sandra, and we actually had Sandra on our show about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, She came on the Story Geek Awards show. 
um, which was awesome, and has subsequently been on a couple other shows, haven't you? Have you done other shows with oh, us? I know I did a video. You did some Stranger some... Things, didn't you? Oh. oh yeah, did you do Stranger I Things? No. Well, I think you did. I think you might have done one Stranger Things, but then you also oh, yeah, did, yeah, I do did the movie review yep. of the Last Jedi. So yeah. we did the mo- the collaborative In review. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So many feelings. So talk about <laughs> talk about um, who you are, what you do, and. Yeah. Okay. So I work for a ministry called Reasons to Believe, and that's uh, our focus is on integrating science and faith. So really fun conversations happening there. I'm the editorial director, <coughs> but I'm also the host and um, one of the co-hosts for our show called 2819. So that one, um, on my segment in particular, I talk about a culturally relevant topic. So we've had you on. We've talked about Star Wars and faith. Yep. Um, just things that we're going to hear in everyday conversations. Yeah. So that's what we talk about. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It was awesome. It was really fun to be on that show. We talked about The Last Jedi. Yep. We talked about some of the deeper themes in The Last Jedi. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was a real blast. They have a really cool sh- uh, studio over there as well. Yeah. So it's thank fun. you for joining us again. Well, you're welcome. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. Of it's course. fun. <laughs> of course. All right. So before we dive in to start ranking these films, just a couple of things. First of all, the whole reason we're doing this is because obviously Ready Player One is coming out in March. <laughs> so we're very excited about that. Um, you've obviously read that book. You've had that book explained to you. From Network 1901? Yes. yes. I know nothing about it other than what's in the trailers. I want to keep it that way. So let's not, <laughs> yeah. don't spoil anything. Yeah, but We won't say anything to spoil it. Obviously it looks amazing. So yeah. it's Spielberg's big triumphant return to geek films. It is. It, it better be. <laughs> and also very um, 80s inspired, which is yeah. what you see in the trailer. So. Caitlin says she read the book based on your recommendation. <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, we had like a little geek fest about that. Like what was the, she was asking questions and what was your favorite thing of like nostalgic thing? And I'm like, oh, there's so many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's true. So um, we're not really going to talk about Ready Player One because there's not a whole lot to talk about movie-wise yet, but go watch the trailer. It's amazing, and it comes out, I believe, at the end of March. Yeah, I think it's like March 30th 24th or, something. or something like that. I have it in, on my phone. Somewhere <laughs> in there. And then the other thing I want to do just quickly is, so we're talking about we're going to rank these films according to their iconicness. But what does that mean? Iconic is sort of a... Kind of a nebulous term. Yeah. So earlier today, I sort of threw it out to the Story Geeks community to try and seek out a definition that we could use. And I didn't come up with like one single good one because there were way too many good replies. But I thought I'd jump in and and share some of them, which I should have navigated to do that (laughs) a little bit more quickly. Here we go. Um, Man, there were some good ones. So, Jay, you talked about cultural impact. Yeah. Emotional impact, quality of the work. Mm-hmm. We talked about timelessness, a universal core theme. Um, Caitlin talked about films or characters that strike a chord due to timing or somehow articulate themes or ideas that are being struggled with in the culture currently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Black Panther, Wonder Woman, yeah. great examples of that. Did Caitlin also talk about launching like a new... Yes. Kind of... Not Ushering a new genre, in but, a new... Yeah. A new take on a genre or a whole new genre, mm-hmm. yeah. like Jurassic Park. Right. You know? Um, and then what else have we got? Films that have leaped forward in visual effects. 
Mm. Um, and then we did get into a little bit of can a, a film be iconic for being bad, <laughs> which I think we'll probably talk a little bit about that at some point. But um, some ones that were thrown out for that, Caitlin Gibson mentioned Battlefield Earth. Chris Wetzel yeah. mentioned The Room. Um, <laughs> oh, hi. There was some discussion about Avatar. I don't know that it was specifically saying that Avatar is iconic for being bad. To me, Avatar is iconic for being bad. It's iconic for being 3D and it's bad. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So timelessness, ushering in a new genre, cultural impact, emotional impact, all of those things that we just talked about as we talk about how we're going to rank these films according to their iconicness. That's the kind of stuff we want to think about. Mm -hmm. Fair enough? I like it. Cool. I like it a lot, actually. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. Yes, we can break out the board. So So if you are watching, if you are listening to this, we'll do our best to describe the board to you so you can kind of see what's going on. But if you also want to, you can go go watch this on YouTube because the live recording recording will be on YouTube. So... So we do have a visual board. It's really just a whiteboard with the words one, the, the words, the numbers one through twelve <laughs> written on there, and we have some visual aids of what our films are, and we're just going to put them on there and move them around and rank them. So, yeah. like Jay said, we'll talk about this as we do it. So, those of you who are listening to this later, want to bring it over here? Yeah. All right. Okay. Shift. 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 Your eyeball. Yeah. There we go. All right. Because I got, I got a little bit more room. Here. Okay. And yeah, like Jay said, we'll talk about this as we do it so that you who are listening won't feel left out. Oh, Monty makes a good point. Last Airbender, iconic for being mm. bad. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. Yes. It's, it's mind-numbing. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. So we don't have any favoritism in how we approach this. We're going to talk about these films from newest to oldest. So... Steven Spielberg's most recently released geek film was The BFG. Mm-hmm. That's correct, yes. So, whoops, that's wrong. The BFG, so this is not a good way to start, but I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't seen it either. I saw it. Okay, it's, tell us about it. <laughs> it's adorable. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real doll hmm. book, so... That's the type of audience that, you know, you're going to get from that. It's more of a kid's film. Um, It's funny. It's cute. Mm. Um, And it was beautiful. Just the the giants and the little... It looked cool. Yeah, it looked really cool. It was really cool. I would not put it on the top five or six. So so we're not going to give it the boot? I wouldn't give it the boot. Okay. No, because thinking... I know I, I know what else is in there. I'm pretty sure I would give the boot. Too. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't give it the boot. Yeah. All right. So we're saying bottom six. Yeah. Would you say somewhere in seven to nine or somewhere in 10 to 12? 10 to 12. 10 to That's 12. That's where I'd okay. put it. So we'll put it at 12 for now. Having not seen it, I feel like I'd put it there. Yeah. <laughs> so. It, yeah. It, it's a good, like, kid film. Uh. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, it was beautiful, but. Yeah. 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 It has Mark Rylance in it, who is an that incredible is actor. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I sort of got the sense that, you know, with mocap and stuff like that, you, you can't quite get the nuance out of him that you yeah, would if it was live sure. action. It was good, though. It yeah. was good. Really? Yeah. It was a good adaptation, So we have too. the BFG at 12. Yeah. Yes. So far. Yeah. And we will go back and we will readjust these yeah. at the end. So... Yeah. 
this what you see at the for now is not the final rank. Yeah. So we'll we'll keep re- refining this as we go. A few comments about the BFG. Uh, Caitlin says it's cute, mm-hmm. so she agrees with you there. Um, and Monty has a lot of great things to say about it. He says camera work was great, human animation integration was insanely great, mm-hmm. and he thought it was amazing. Yeah. Oh wow. So Caitlin says there are definitely beautiful moments, and Monty says as a broke college kid struggling with not being good enough <laughs> with life during the time I saw it. It helped him face his giants. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Because he's a giant, yeah. but he's a small giant in a world of big giants. Oh. So okay, I didn't it, know that. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that either. Okay. Because the BFG human, stands for the big friendly giant, right? Yeah, I did not know that that's what the F stood for. So oh. I was like, <laughs> what, what did is you this? think it was? This well, is a kid not movie? that. Yeah. Big freaking giant. <laughs> <laughs> what kid movie is this? Well, because I started with the book. So yeah, I was familiar yeah, yeah. with the book, and I'm like, what is that? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And in there, um, just because this was like, I'm. I've got a horrible sense of humor, like a teenage boy sense of humor. Um, in that world, burping is really offensive oh. and farting is less so. <laughs> so it's kind of the opposite, I guess, yeah, like yeah. in our world. So I just thought it was <laughs> funny. funny. But they call them, I think, whiz pops. So, <laughs> nice. yeah, it's just fart humor. <laughs> I, guess I, I guess we can see the movie now. I mean, Monty. It's on Netflix. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on to our next film. So our next film is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Boo. <laughs> That's definitely getting the boot, Take it out. Right? I, I don't it. have a problem with that. Boot it. Does anyone want to keep Crystal Skull on the iconic movies from Steven Spielberg list? If you guys, you guys on the live show, now's your time to speak up for it because in five seconds I'm going to throw it across the room. <laughs> Uh, we're not going to do it. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, Indiana Jones is a trilogy, and I'm very happy with it staying that way. <laughs> All right. Is this the room of the Indiana Jones franchise? The room version? It's the yes. avatar yeah. of the Indiana Jones oh, franchise. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the last airbender. It is basically, it's it's worse than the third Matrix film. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Oh, Way worse. Yeah. Well, I no. like the third Matrix film. You do? Yeah. This is a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody agrees. It's Bye. gone. Done. Just crystal Skull out. not making the list. No Crystal Skull. Sorry, whoever's sitting across the room, I just killed you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the next film we'll talk about is War of the Worlds, hmm. which I saw. Did, did you? you guys see it? Yeah. Okay. Like a million times. What did you think? I liked it. I remember the old If you saw one. it a million times, obviously you liked it's it. It's one of those that if it's on, just like another Spielberg film, which I don't think will be here in this pile, but Twister, if it's on, I'm mm. probably going to watch it. Um, mm. It's just, and I don't really like Tom Cruise, um, but I like this movie. I feel like the story is, yeah. I, I, I like it. I like to, to see him try to figure out how to be a dad who's actually present and yeah. the teenage son trying to figure out what he's supposed to do when the entire world's falling mm-hmm. apart. Um, yeah. And Dakota Fanning is she's oh, just yeah, really good. Right. She's really good in that film, but I, I liked it. It's yeah. a fun run. I think, uh, I can't think of anything that is iconic about it besides the fact that it was based off of super iconic, 
yeah. radio drama yeah. slash then movie. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I feel like it was it's one of those movies where you go, yeah, it's really good. Like yeah. it's solid. Like like everyone in it is great. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's nothing that it wasn't transformational to my life, nor did I Yeah. Do I watch it yearly. <laughs> you yeah. know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I enjoyed it. I love Tom Cruise. He's one of my favorite movie stars. Um, not one of my favorite actors, but one of my favorite movie stars. <laughs> actors. Actors. Not one of my favorite actors. I don't like it when he stretches himself. I love Mission Impossible. I love uh, Event Horizon, Oblivion, the kinds of movies where Tom Cruise is doing Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Vanilla Sky, mm-hmm. Rock of Ages. Jerry Maguire? Jerry Maguire was great. Yeah. That's the one exception. But That's for the-, the most part, when he stretches himself, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. I don't think there's anything particularly iconic about it mm-hmm. um, as a Spielberg film or as a Tom Cruise film. It's not one of my favorite Tom Cruise films either. No. But it's a good movie. Yeah. So um, clearly we're going to put this in the bottom six, probably yeah. the bottom three. Yeah. I'd put it at 10. Okay, so we'll put it at 10 for now. Does that sound yeah. good to you? All right. Okay. So War of the Worlds goes in at 10. Yes. And I'm sure as we go on, we'll have more to say about these <laughs> films because <laughs> we're... We're going to start getting into the better stuff. Oh, like right now. <laughs> the next film we have to talk about is Minority Report. Minority Report. Never seen it. Seriously. What? Oh, it's boy. a Tom Cruise film, I'm telling oh. you. Oh. I've never seen any of the Mission Man. Impossible films. Are you serious? I swear. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Mission Impossible. That, you can't oh. be friends with Daryl anymore. He, that's oh, like his no, favorite you can. series. You can. You can. We have the Moana like connection. Yeah, yeah, so. that, that goes deep. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did you think of Minority Report? So, based on it being an iconic film, I think I hadn't really seen anything like it at the time. It was coming out at a time when a lot, if I'm not mistaken, um, when did it actually say it came out? Um, oh. It came it out in the early this 2000s, year. right? I don't think that helps. <laughs> it's, it's always it's always being released here. Yeah, I think it was early 2000s. Early 2000s, which is sort of like after the IMDb. Matrix. There's a lot of science, God, good science fiction back then in that mm-hmm. time period. Um, I, from an iconic perspective, I'm not sure I can say that it was super iconic but what it did have is it had you know the screens that were glass screens that people were using yeah one of the first times i've ever seen that yeah um and i know it's been in other i think it was in other stuff technically but like the the first time they did it really well um so i'm not sure that i can say that it had a big cultural impact or a big emotional impact on me it was but i will say from a quality standpoint or from an emotional imp- from an emotional impact i think it was more emotionally impactful to me than war of the worlds oh by far yeah by far so i but i'm not sure if it was iconic though that's the one word that i'm not sure if you think it's less iconic than war of the worlds no 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 sorry i'm just saying like as we move our way towards the top uh, I, it's probably still in the bottom 6 for me from an iconic standpoint. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that, but I love Minority Report. I do too. I do too. As a sci-fi film, I don't think it's in my top 10, but it'd probably be top 20. Yeah. And I think it was just a very interesting concept. Yes. It's a Philip K. Dick story, right? So you're going to get yep. an interesting concept mm-hmm. either way. But I was I don't know, it was a fun struggle to watch the whole idea of convicting people for crimes they haven't committed yet. Right. And, um, you know, the precog, and she was a really interesting character, and that scene where she just starts screaming. 
out of nowhere for no reason. I don't know why. You haven't seen it. I'm sorry. (laughs) That scene where she just starts screaming. It's creepy. It is creepy. I feel like Um, I need to see it now. It reminds reminds me of... um, You should. That kind of scene reminds me of Battlestar Galactica when they had the people, the the people that uh, the cyborgs that controlled the ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and some of them would start freaking out and like flailing around. That's yeah. a similar type of uh, concept. Yeah, Caitlin says it's concept of being judged before you had done the crime and whether you can change your future was interesting. Yes, mm-hmm. very interesting. So, Again, very well done film. Yeah, but iconicness, like all the stuff we talked about, it's yeah. I feel like it's not. Top six. No. You probably don't care either way, right? <laughs> <laughs> put it at eight. I would... Eight sounds good for now. Yeah, I can roll eight. with eight. Okay. So, so, so far we've got the BFG sitting at 12, War of the Worlds sitting at 10, and Tom Cruise sitting... Not Tom Cruise. Minority <laughs> Report. It says Tom Cruise on the top of the picture. <laughs> Minority Report sitting at eight. Cool. We'll pick odd numbers eventually. We'll see how we go. Okay. Our next film that we're going to talk about, oh, this ought to be an interesting one, is AI, oh. which um, was originally meant to be a Stanley Kubrick film. Oh, my goodness. That would have been nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been, oh yeah. My and he gosh. didn't get to, to make it before he died. So this is Spielberg's interpretation of Stanley mm. Kubrick's story. Which I feel like doesn't really make sense. Like, it's an odd pairing. Yeah. It really is. Like, oh, well, we can't get Kubrick. Let's get, ah, Spielberg. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. That's weird. It mm. is weird. Well, he was probably a hero to some degree of oh, Spielberg's. Yeah. yeah. So there was a bit of an honoring mm-hmm. approach in that. Weird movie, though. Mm. Did you guys see it? Uh, once. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I saw, a long time I ago. saw almost... Well, I we were talking about this before. I saw up to the part where Haley Joe Osment's character gets abandoned, and I and you were I, done. I was like, I'm out. It's like the dog dies kind of a thing. I'm like, yeah. mm, it just it got me so sad. I was like, I can't, can't watch this. I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't even know when did it come out. Okay, we keep getting that question, so I'm pulling up IMDb. <laughs> I'm like, was I a parent then? Yeah, it came out. Late 90s, Sorry. I think. Oh, my right? gosh. Like it's giving me the production. 97 or 96. Somewhere. Here we go. It's giving me his producer list, which oh. is like Way seven days long. long. Yeah. 2001. 2001. Oh, yeah. Okay. I yeah. was a mum. So, yeah, that, that might have been why. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird movie. I wasn't a parent when mm-hmm. I saw it, so I didn't have that, but it'd probably be uncomfortable for me to watch now. Yeah. But it's just very strange. It's, so I remember it feeling kind of like it didn't know what kind of movie it wanted to be. Yeah, because it because almost it, had like a, it could be a horror Yeah, vibe. yeah. It had kind of the eeriness of a mm-hmm. Kubrick film, but it had the look of a Spielberg film, uh, yeah. which was disjointed to mm-hmm. me. There's a, um, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but there's actually a really good uh, Spielberg documentary on Netflix <laughs> that you can go watch right now. And and he actually talks about that, about stretching himself in, in specific areas. Mm-hmm. He didn't talk about AI specifically. But but he was known as he was getting pigeonholed as a certain type of director, yeah. and then when he tried to branch out of that, he got a lot of pushback. Like like for example, the color purple. Oh. There he was told like not your story, man. Like you shouldn't have done it. <coughs> but I think that like he he was able to keep moving down down that path. And even though there's some misfires, maybe like I would call AI a misfire. So spoiler alert, I don't mm. I don't like it that much. <laughs> um, but it is. 
it has a certain uh, level of iconicness in the development of a director. Mm. Because this is yeah. the same director that did um, uh, Schindler's List yeah. later, yeah. which is not a Spielberg-esque film yeah. at all. Munich. Yeah, Munich, exactly. So I think that it was kind of him moving along a path and not quite figuring out what that path looked like yet. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so it's not my favorite. Yeah. It has some iconicness to it. It does. I mean, even in just the the whole process of starting as a Kubrick film and then becoming a Spielberg film. Yes. um, Chris Wetzel says it fell victim to production company interruptions Mm -hmm. and Spielberg trying to piece it together. Hmm. Um, Caitlin says it was really long, but her husband mm-hmm. loved it. <laughs> she says it was sad. Once again, not iconic, really. Yeah. Seeing as she forgot that it existed. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know what I would get this movie confused with? It was just so stupid and weird. Bicentennial Man. Oh, my God. Yes. But you know what? Is it because of the poster? I don't know what it I, is. I get it confused probably. all the time. It, yeah. I remember it being similar. Yeah. Yeah. I think they came out like the same around year. the same time, too. Yeah. Very strange. But, yeah. Yeah, iconicness, I, I don't feel like going real high on this one. I'd, for me, I'd probably put this down to uh, maybe nine. I'm good with nine. I was going to say nine, too. Sure. Feel all right about nine? Yeah. I think it's somewhat more iconic than War of the Worlds, which seems like a, it seems like a Spielberg film. Right. Whereas yeah. At least this one has the advantage of him breaking out of that mold a little bit. Well, we talked about like cultural impact and stuff like that. Yeah. AI definitely pushed more buttons. Exactly. Than War of the Worlds did. Yeah. Exactly. So okay, we'll drop it at nine for now. We can reevaluate later. Okay. Um, Monty went ahead and dropped what might be our favorite comment on this whole episode. <laughs> uh oh. Just a little reminder: Indiana, Indiana Jones Five comes out on July tenth, twenty twenty. It's true. I don't know. I know. I don't know whether to be excited or depressed. I know. <laughs> Crystal Skull is sitting over on the floor somewhere yeah. across the studio. Yeah, so yeah, we'll have to see. We're gonna burn it later. Chris Wetzel says Robin Williams is in both movies. Robin Williams is in AI. I don't, I don't remember that, but Wait. it wouldn't surprise me. I know is Jude he, is Law he the dad? is in it. Is he the dad? I don't know. I'm looking right now. Okay. Jude Law is in it. What is yeah, he Jude Law was in it. Chris Wetzel says, yes, I think he was the dad. And Jude Law is the one that abandons the kid? Because I can see that happening. Well, he's kind of like, Jude Law is another android. Yeah. And he's kind of like his. Which I could see that happening. Yes, yes, yes. That happens a lot. His preview from Jarvis. He's like, I'll do this first, and then I'll be be Jarvis. No, that's Paul Bettany. Oh, that's true. They sound the same, though. Wasn't it Jude Law at one point in time, and then they switched it to Paul Bettany? No. They just sound the same. I thought the same. I, I was like, oh, that's Jude Law. Yeah. Mm, maybe. Nope. Yeah, maybe so. Oh, I think Paul Bettany's way better. Well, voice, though, the voice sounds the same to me. I don't... Paul mm. Bettany's great, but Jude Law has been in some cool stuff, too. Yeah. I, I, Chris, I'm looking at IMDb, and I don't see Robin Williams on the cast list. Is he in Bicentennial Man? Definitely. He is Bicentennial <laughs> Man. He is Bicentennial <laughs> Man. <laughs> So, but we don't we don't have to argue about that. That's okay. Which, if that's what Chris is thinking of, then it only proves our point about yep. why we all thought that movie was the same deal. That oh, poster. he says the weird cartoon character talking to Haley Joel Osment at the end. Oh, okay. So maybe it was like a cameo. Oh, okay. Oh, huh. gotcha. Right on. Cool. So yeah, AI not not working its way too high up mm-hmm. the list. Number nine. So that's okay. We don't have anything in the top six yet, Mm-mm. and it's I, not worthy because we know. 
We know, we know, what's, we know coming. what's coming. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. I don't know if this next one's going to crack the top six or not either. Okay. I love this movie to death, but I know not I'm, not, I'm not the only one, but a lot of people have problems with this movie, and it is The Lost World. Jurassic the Lost Park. World, yes. Okay. It's harder for sequels to be iconic. Yeah. Because that's true. the original is like, oh, that's Especially iconic. when you're a sequel yep. to Jurassic Park. It, we, we, oh, yeah. It, I remember... Yeah. Seeing the lines that that was the first movie I ever remember seeing a huge line outside of the movie theater mm. wrapping around the building, and I for, was like, for Jurassic Park. Yeah, that yeah. was that was the first movie I remember going, "Holy smokes!" Like, yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, now it's like common. But the Lost World, I even. So is the Lost World the one that starts out on the scene on the beach with the little <laughs> tiny dinosaurs? That's not a good sign. Is that what it is? That's not a good sign when you're like, <laughs> so is the Lost World the one? <laughs> and no, it's not. It's, that's Jurassic Park 3. Okay. Because that was such a creepy scene. And it's the only thing I remember from, I think, either of these films. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. That's Jurassic Park 3. Yeah, the one on the island with the little dinosaurs. Okay. Yeah. That's and the little girl finds them and she's like, oh, they're cute. And they start like trying to bite her. And you're like, the oh, my God. The parasailing one? The parasailing one. That's Two, isn't it? This movie's clearly in the bottom six. I know. <laughs> I just remember, like, I don't even care that that kid got eaten or whoever got eaten. Yeah. I still want a parasail. That, that's the, I forget which one that the is. The parasailing one is the number the three. S- though three. Yeah, because oh. that's the kid who okay. gets lost in the jungle and then William H. Macy and... Okay, I like that uh, one. And Tay Leone and Sam Neill go in and save him. Yeah. I oh, liked I li- it too. It's yeah. the weakest, but I liked yeah. it. I like Taylor Leone. Who's in Who's in the Lost World? Jeff Goldblum. It's like Jeff Goldblum's Jurassic Park film. The, the, the is that hero. the one where the thing starts falling off the cliff? Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who's the Who's the actress? Red hair. <laughs> Red hair actress. Right. Julianne Moore. Yes. 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 So phenomenal actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Iconic actors, even. <laughs> yes. Maybe just not so much an iconic film. <laughs> well, when you're the sequel to Jurassic Park, it's hard to be an iconic film. This is true. It's kind of so. like the third child when you've got, like, the kid who's, like, the superstar, <laughs> A student. All the other kids are like, yeah, the, they've got good grades. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But I want to do some shifting. You do? Oh, I don't oh. think it's less iconic than... A remake of War of the Worlds or even AI. You don't think it's. So would you put you it think at it's nine? more iconic? I would move AI and War of the Worlds over and put Lost World at nine. Nine? No. I'm down with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can. I can. All right. So War of the Worlds is moving to eleven. AI is moving to ten, and we're gonna drop the Lost World in at nine. Nice. So, Cody. They're all super dark posters. I just said yeah. your brother's name and you didn't even respond. Yeah, no, he, oh. what is he? <laughs> Cody. <laughs> Cody chimes in and says, "Lost World has Vince Vaughn," which is a good point because Vince Vaughn was great in the Lost World. Really? Yeah. I don't even remember don't that remember either. <laughs> and that could be iconic. You and it wasn't that long after Swingers, so it was kind of a random casting. Yeah. I guess I need to rewatch it. That's, you should. That's what. That's it's what. Good, it's, this is coming down to. It's definitely good. So, and Chris Wetzel makes a good point. He says, the original showed that CGI dinos were possible, but the Lost World showed what they could really do. Ooh, that's and it a good did, point. it did step up the game. It did well, it's probably better. good that we moved it up to nine then. Caitlin says, you guys don't even remember what happened in the Lost World, but you do remember <laughs> War of the Worlds. 
I remember what happened in the Lost World. <laughs> yeah. I remember the War of the Worlds. It's like my my dad has certain movies that he watches all the time. Mm-hmm. So like just hanging out with my dad, it's like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, and that's one of them. Tremors is another one. So <laughs> Tremors, yeah. Tremors. <laughs> yeah, I love the Lost World. Yeah, I don't love it more than Jurassic Park, but I love it. Yeah, I think it's a great film. I'm not saying it's bad. But. So. Caitlin's all about Tremors. She's really excited about that reference. (laughs) So, okay, let's go on to our next film here. So, hey, speaking of Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park is our next film. I think it's going to be the first one in the top six. I'm going to go ahead and slap this in the top three right now. I'd put it there. (laughs) Yeah, it's in the top three for sure. Let's talk about it. We haven't talked about Jurassic Park a lot on our show. No, we haven't. Which seems like a crime. You know what? Okay, so here's the thing. You take a movie that has fictional um, representations of real creatures that we've actually never seen before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You take uh, every kid's favorite thing, um, <laughs> and then yeah. and then you put it on screen in a way that's like that looks like it's real, right? And then, the, and then the way that he films it, the way that he shoots it, the the reveal of the what are they called brontosauruses with the long necks? Brachiosaurus. Brachiosaurus. Yeah, you have kids, so you know. Um, <laughs> no, I just remember that from seeing the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that reveal My is kid doesn't filmed. know the real names of the dinosaurs except for T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just think of that. Think of that scene, right? Uh-huh. We, we're seeing their reaction before we ever see the dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and and think of the letdown that could be. Mm-hmm. Of like, then you turn it around <coughs> and it's the dinosaurs and you're like, wow, those are terrible. Like, yeah. Then the whole scene is like a joke, right. but it doesn't play as a joke at all because when you see them, you're like, wow, those dinosaurs are really there. And it looks like what I've seen in, in, in all the, the books and everything. And then he tells a really compelling story throughout with very interesting characters, mm-hmm. all dealing with very interesting things. Um so I think it actually is just not only a phenomenal film, but it's so iconic because it's a good story. Plus, he's added dinosaurs that look. So he's he's pushed the technology, he's pushed the story, mm-hmm. the actors pushed themselves. I don't know. Yeah, I can keep going, but <laughs> no, it's it's a great film. I feel like just thinking back, what was around? Like, what dinosaurs did we see? And I'm thinking of like Land of the Lost, yep. Land Before and Time. That what I mean, like. Things that weren't animated. Oh, that yeah. weren't animated. So, you know, looking at that, the only thing I can remember is Land of the Lost. And yeah. that was just kitschy garbage, yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, then you have this, yes. which was at the, at its time amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. to see them, you know, the only times we would see dinosaurs would be like in Land of the Lost. Or if we go to a museum and yep. we maybe see some kind of... Um, replica or something but we never got to see them moving and see yeah. humans interacting with them like yep. that was amazing jeff goldblum was amazing yeah. um and the story and of course the score because I'm, I'm big on scores the score is amazing and um i feel like what i love about a lot of Spiel- spielberg films is that he works with john williams and so <laughs> like yeah those are kind of the Things that do it when you get Spielberg together with John Williams, it's it's amazing. It's kind of magic. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we just got a comment from Nerd Alert Creative. With the most iconic films, you can't think about Spielberg without thinking about John Williams. Yep. You can't. No, you can't do it. And so so much so that my cousin 
was we're about like I'm like 12 years old. I'm hanging out with my cousin. He's also 12, and he makes a joke about Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. and then starts to go do 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 do. And I'm like, dude, that's not Forrest Gump, bro. <laughs> what? Like, instantly knew. I, I instantly knew like that is Jurassic Park. You know, like you just knew it right off the yeah. bat. Like that's Jurassic Park. Um, I'll still find myself humming that song in my head, that that theme in my head from time to time. Yeah, yeah. it is perfect. Well, that would, it's obviously iconic to me because that's one of the few movie themes that I'll sit down at a piano and just play. Oh, nice. Like that one, Superman, the movie. Ooh, yeah. Um, the Man from Snowy River, for some reason. <laughs> I learned that when I was young. And <laughs> yeah. It's a catchy theme. <laughs> um, I think that it might move up. We have it at three. Yeah. I think it might end up moving up. I just, uh, Jurassic Park is one of, for me, I don't, uh, I'm gonna look up the year that it came out. Ninety three, yeah. Yeah. Was it ninety three? I, I yeah. was. I'm old, so I was like in high school, and yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I just remember that going. My goodness, like what is happening? Yeah. Okay, so I'm old too then, because I was yeah. also in high school. <laughs> <laughs> old people. Yeah. I would have been twelve, I guess. Yeah. So I guess I don't know. The earliest version of like movie hype. That uh-huh. I can remember, yeah, was actually Tim Burton's Batman movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh. I very, very vividly remember the hype for Jurassic Park. Also, yeah, I remember hearing somewhere we didn't have the internet back then. We had like Entertainment Tonight and <laughs> magazines and stuff like that. <laughs> I used to watch guy. that show all the time. I know. <laughs> As a kid, I'd be like watching it. It was a trailer coming out. Maybe we had Access Hollywood by then. I don't know, but <laughs> exactly um, or Extra. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we can keep going. Yeah. Anybody who's in their 20s watching this show is like, shut up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, I actually had to explain what a Rolodex was to a college student today. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's special. It makes me feel real old. Yeah. Anyways, continue. It's kind of a hard thing to explain, too. I know. It's I was an like, awkward thing. It was the thing with it spins and there was paper. Yeah. Mon- I, I know Monty says, what's a magazine? What's a magazine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but I remember the hype. I remember hearing the talk about the dinosaurs being CGI yeah. and thinking, that's ridiculous. That's going to look stupid. And yeah. then seeing the first trailer, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I specifically remember the trailer for this doing something. I'd never seen it done before, and now almost every trailer in the ever does this. Yeah. So it used to be that when there was a movie trailer, you would get all of the action and all of the scenes and the shots from the movie, and then it would end with the name of the movie, Mm. and that was it. Jurassic Park was the first one that I can ever remember putting a quick shot after the name of the movie, Uh, and they had, um, it was the shot of the T-Rex coming up on the rearview mirror. Oh, yeah. And I remember being totally startled by that because I loved movie trailers and nobody had ever done that before. I was like, can you even do that? I'm like, that's crazy. Was that a different movie? And how they all do that. Yeah, I think just for um, it being iconic, thinking of how many times that scene with the water shaking, like how many times that's been done on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for that, it's just had such a huge impact that people don't even... They probably don't even have to have ever seen the film to go, oh, that's from that thing. Exactly. Yeah. And then fast forward to today, this is one of those franchises that is spawning a whole new franchise. Yeah, yeah. that's right. A la Star Wars, you know? Oh. <laughs> For a second, I was like, a la Star Wars. What are you talking about? They're gonna, <laughs> it's like collaboration. <laughs> Dinosaurs in space. I'm like, wait a minute. 
That sounds good. <laughs> not, real, not real good. Mm. I would love to hear the John Williams soundtrack for that film. I will, I will <laughs> totally yeah. download it on Spotify immediately. I'll, I'll say one more thing about its iconicness. Um, and I forgot what I was going to say. Was it the phone in the poop? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that. But I, but I mean, there's there's even more iconic scenes like like the when he was when he's leaning on the triceratops and it's breathing. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, oh, I know what I was gonna say. They have since come out and said that some of these dinosaurs probably had feathers, oh, and we don't oh. even and we refuse to believe it because we're like, no, we've seen them. Yeah. We've seen those dinosaurs. They're in that movie, so we are rejecting. But even in that movie, they did say that they were closely, more closely related to birds. They than did. Wizards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just but, so yeah, funny that yeah. we're like, the movie is so iconic that we believe Spielberg over science. Like, nah, it's not the way dinosaurs looked. We've seen him. <laughs> we're like, yeah, right, Dr. Yeah. So-and-so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Chris Wetzel says, don't forget the Jurassic Park behind the scenes with James Earl Jones. Ooh. Did you guys see no, any of that? No. I didn't see that, but it sounds amazing. If I did mm-hmm. see it, I forgot it. I'm sorry, oh, Chris. I want gosh. to see it. Yeah. <laughs> It sounds wonderful. Um, so, yeah, obviously Jurassic Park is going to be way up there. Yeah. I just want to keep talking about scenes. I want to keep talking about, like, life finds a way and the chaos oh, theory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Must drive faster and... Ah, ah, ah. Clever girl. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All of those. Everyone hold on to your butts. Yeah. And it's yeah. also, like, one of my favorite things that I've ever seen happen at a con is at it, someone was driving a little tiny Jeep. It was an adult in a little kid Jeep <laughs> and someone in a dinosaur suit chasing him. And I was like, awesome. I love these. These are my people. Yes, that <laughs> is yeah. epic. And I know a lot of people have problems with Jurassic World. Oh. Um, Caitlin um, talks about how it's really just a Chris Pratt vehicle and not even a good one because he doesn't get to make as many jokes as he does in, <laughs> in other movies. But one thing I love about Jurassic World is how they have brought the actual T-Rex oh, yeah. from the Jurassic Park trilogy yeah. into the new one. Yep. So I think that's really cool. Yeah. And from the trailers for the new movie, it looks like it'll be featured in another cool way. So mm-hmm. yeah. I'm excited about that. Monty says his roommate made him a hold on to your butts t-shirt. Are you serious? <laughs> that's pretty awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> That would be a fun thing to have. So, okay, so we're going to put it at number three for now with the understanding that it very well might move It up. might move up, yeah, absolutely. I don't see it moving back. No, no, so. it's not going to move back. Okay, one last thing. Caitlin says, oh, my gosh, I just thought of the When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth banner falling. Yes. Oh, that's, that's true. That is a great scene right there. That's true. There are so many. Too many to talk about. Well, we'll have to do a whole episode on Jurassic yeah. Park. I mean, well, we might come back to more scenes as we figure out what where it truly belongs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's true. But for now, we're going to totally shift gears. We're going to go back to Robin Williams, mm. and we're going to talk about Hook. Rufio. Yes. Rufio. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. This was one of my favorite movies yeah. when I was a kid. I think that's true of most people our age, right? Maybe. I loved really? it. I don't my know if I'd say it's my it. favorite, but I loved it. it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, no, I I dig it. I just don't know a lot of people who are like, oh, I love it. Well, it's not one of my favorites now, but when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely, I think that might hurt the iconicness of it because it, for me, I think it leans more kid, mm. maybe yeah. a little less universal. Yeah. Well, I feel like, I feel like as an adult now, um, 
the the story of Pan having grown up and having lost his Pan-ness. And then saying, like, going back into who he who he is really and yeah. even the little kid like looking at him and messing with his face and then saying there you are uh-huh. um that i think is such a cool idea to to go back to this place where you're able to have fun you're able to um be excited about adventures yeah. and um so i think as an adult it kind of is a little bit more special yeah mm-hmm. yeah i agree it was when I was a kid, I feel like the first time I saw it, it might have actually been a little bit above my head. <laughs> like just the whole concept of Peter having grown up and being in, was it London when they start out? I think so, yeah. In London That's with Wendy and everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm, I don't think I understood that as a kid because the Peter Pan story, the classic, was so ingrained into my head. I'm like, right. I wasn't old enough to get this different context. But right, right, right. as it goes on, um, it works itself out, but... Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. She was adorable. Oh, and you know what? This is coming up later, but in, I think it's in, oh man, E.T. Oh no, we're not going to talk about E.T. I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, no, no. I was going to say in E.T. there's a scene where the mom is reading Peter Pan. And I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. Oh, it is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the shared universe. It was the clapping one. Mm. The the clapping scene um, from from Hook, but I mean it wasn't from Hook, but yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the scene she was reading yeah. from the book. I um I really enjoyed Hook a lot. I think it did kind of. I mean, I want to eat the food at their feast, <laughs> oh, right? No. Like all that colorful food. Yeah, like I think so. I think there was some really fun stuff that um, had to do with that. Um, it was cool. The The production design was really cool. Mm-hmm. That's what I really enjoyed about it. It was like, it felt like a movie that was made for kids in a fun way, but like the production design was really solid from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah. And fantasy can be all over the place with production design, but I think they did a really good job. So I don't know how iconic it is necessarily because there's nothing about it that makes me feel like it changed culture or it had something really important to say that wasn't said before. Um, it feels like it might've been a bit ahead of its time because this whole idea of taking these iconic stories yeah. and putting them in a different context. Yes. We're inundated with that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Maleficent and all yeah, the other once Disney. upon a yeah. time. Yeah. And like, there's just a ton of it and not all of it is very good. <laughs> right. But so there wasn't any of that happening back then. No. And this is really good. Yeah. So you're saying this? Should are you saying top six? It. Yeah. What are you? Where are you putting it? I'm feeling I, a little bit more like seven. Yeah. I am I'd too. Put it there. Let's okay. put it at seven. All right. We will put it at seven. A few comments from our viewers. Um, Monty says Hook was his first introduction to live action Robin Williams. Mm. His first Robin Williams movie being Aladdin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Aladdin was awesome. So that's a good point. I'm old enough to take Robin Williams all the way back to like Mork and Mindy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Popeye and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, Popeye. And Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. Mrs. Good morning, Doubtfire Vietnam. Great. Yeah. Um, actually, I don't think I've seen Good Morning Vietnam, but I know about it. <laughs> um, Caitlin says the story of Peter and Wendy and her being old was one of the first sad things that she can remember hitting her in a movie as a kid. Oh, wow. um, Chris Wetzel said, cool concept, not one that was done before. 
um, inventive, but not too sure if it's iconic. Caitlin says it didn't change anything. So I feel like seven. Yeah. It feels more iconic than Minority Report or any of these other movies behind it. I think so. I think I could make an argument for swapping Minority Report and Hook at seven and eight. But yeah, I think we should just keep it where it is for now. Cool. Okay. So quick update for those of you listening and not seeing what we're doing here. So far, we have the BFG sitting at number 12, War of the Worlds at 11, AI at 10, Lost World at 9, Minority Report at 8, Hook at 7, and the only film that has cracked our top six is Jurassic Park, and we've got it at 3. Yeah, which is a good time for me to mention um, maybe the way that you guys can support us on Patreon. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. So uh, as you guys, if you listen to the show frequently, that you've already heard us talk about this, but there's one of the ways to support the show is to support us on Patreon. Patreon is a service that allows fans to support creators like us. It also allows us to show our appreciation to our supporters by offering additional exclusive content to our Patreon supporters, and you can only get that content through Patreon. Right now on Patreon, you can listen to Daryl and I come up with some fan theories about geek films. Uh, We also had an epic Network 1901, the Story Geek Showdown, where we break down all things The Last Jedi, either that people loved or hated, so definitely check that out too. And it only takes $3 a month to unlock the exclusive content, but that actually helps us out a ton, Um, and it's lower than the price of a comic book. So you can do that for once, just once a month. Um, and it really, really helps us out. There's some other tiers as well if you want to support us some more, but you, all you have to do is do three bucks um, for that. So go go on, head on over to www.thestorygeeks.com and uh, so sign up there, basically. It's super easy, and every time we release new content, you'll be notified. And we will have a special Patreon version of this actual show as we well. We will. We will. We're recording, yeah. Which we will not be recording live, so those of you watching live... Go subscribe to Patreon so you can get that too. Yeah, thestorygeeks.com. That's right. We'll be talking about our top five Spielberg geek films. Yeah. So personal preference, no rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's dive back in. We're getting into, I think, some more big heavy hitters now. Um, but before we do, I want to bring up something now because I think we're going to hit some films that really exemplify it. Spielberg in his geek films, especially the early ones, always has a through line of positivity. Yeah. They're either very hopeful or they're about family yeah. or about love. So um, that's one of the things I love so much about his early work. You don't see it as much in some of the later films, but definitely in Hook and definitely in these films that we're about to talk about. So mm-hmm. we'll kind of we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through as well. Sounds good to me. So and speaking of films about family, the first one we're going to talk about is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, this is a big deal for me. Yeah, this is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. It's well, you know that Indiana Jones. Yeah, Indiana Jones is well. Indiana Jones in general, though, is my favorite of yes. all time in terms you can of the. See the those of you watching, you can see the posters. And what you can't see is there's actually a Temple of Doom poster on the other the other wall over there. But no so. Last Crusade poster. No, you know what? My brother owned the Last Crusade poster. And I, don't ah. know what he, I don't know what he did with it, but okay. I might have to buy one. So, well, Sandra, what do you think of the Last Crusade? Um, 
I remember seeing the Indiana Jones films as a kid, and I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark recently, and I've been meaning to rewatch them. Mm. I would put it on the top five for sure. Where, I don't know. Um, I'm not as much of a fan as Indiana Jones as I am of the other Spielberg films. Sorry. Mm. Um, okay. Not that I dislike them. No apologies for but... opinions on this show. <laughs> I'd put it. I'd put it like at a five. Yeah, out I'd of it there. six. Well, no, like what, just, oh, on uh, the list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was ten. trying to make a joke, but <laughs> yeah. so. And then, so Jay, talk a little bit more about that too. I know it, Raiders is your favorite movie of all time. We know that, but yeah, but in in the in the original trilogy. Of which there are only three movies, and there's not a fourth <laughs> movie that it was thrown across the room earlier. What a weird thing to bring up. Yeah, it's um, random. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the in these the, the first three movies of Indiana Jones, I think, are all pretty close. I mean, I I do prefer Raiders, but both Temple of Doom, which I think a lot of people think is like a full point less on the scale, if not more. I still love that film, and I love this film. So yeah. This film did some things that I think were pretty extraordinary. One, it brought in a character's father. It showed the character as a youngster. And both of those things didn't were not cheesy. They didn't interrupt the normal flow of what you thought about his character. Yeah. Um, so I think to a certain extent that was just fantastic. They also brought back in the concept of Nazi Germany, mm-hmm. which is like the villains of villains, right? Like they're, yeah. they're the worst. Um and so I just thought all of that stuff was done pretty seamlessly. There's a there's a nice twist in this film um, that I didn't see coming uh, at first. Uh, the concept of legacy that you love I is love it. very much <laughs> embedded in this film. Yeah, so I can't say enough good things about this. I don't even know if I could come up with a negative. Okay, so I could come up with one negative that's, that's a through line of the Indiana Jones series, and that is that their female characters are um, not well done. Yeah. Um, that's but, not surprising for the time, though. Exactly. And that might be why it doesn't resonate as strongly for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, it might be. Yeah. But that's, that's really the only negative. And growing mm-hmm. up, I wouldn't even have noticed it. Yeah. Right? Because it wasn't something that I was necessarily paying attention to. Yeah. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. Like, yeah. they're not really great female characters here. Um, but other than that, I think the films are brilliant. Yeah, this one's huge for me. I mean, this is the... I think this is... I don't think I saw Raiders or Temple of Doom in the theater. Okay. So I think Last Crusade was my first Indiana Jones film in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I remember it so vividly, the tank scene at the end when he's crawling around the tank. Yeah. And the relationship with Sean Connery. Yeah. Uh, I just, Junior. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I, won't, I won't continue. Oh. <laughs> I was ready for more. But, yeah, I love this movie to death. Um for me, this would go pretty high. You were thinking five, right? It could go a little bit higher. Yeah, I'd put it four? at four. Four works. Yeah, I mean, I, I might even put it at two. <laughs> I might even put it at two, but yeah. for now, why don't, we, why don't we park it at four? Okay. Um, some comments on this one. Um, Caitlin says, this is her favorite Indiana Jones film of all time. Monty says, I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I haven't seen any of them. <laughs> Who said that? A Monty. Monty? <coughs> I don't think we can be friends anymore. Aww. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he you can sit at my table. All right. <laughs> so Chris Wetzel's in your camp. He says Raiders is his favorite, but he hasn't seen The Last Crusade. So 
It's on Hulu. Chris, get on it. Go see it. It's on Hulu. That's right. I'll bring it to church. You can borrow it from me. (laughs) You got to see it. Monty says, I have failed you. No, you haven't. It's fine. Um, Caitlin says, the father-son dynamic is so hilarious. Um, Serious hero paired with goofy civilian movies. Oh, like Live Free or Die Hard is another example of that. Um, And she, she points out that they brought a reverence for God in this one which the yeah. Temple of Doom did not have. Yeah. I think that is, for me, that element of it, to a degree, is why I like Raiders and Last Crusade significantly more than I like Temple of Doom. Mm. And we won't even talk about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. What? But <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I made that up. Is that a thing? I made it up. I made it up. Yeah. It's a mean. dumb idea for another exist. movie. <laughs> um, but just that degree of hope. And then I think something I love about Steven Spielberg's early work is his tendency to have these huge themes and these huge things that we're dealing with, but be very reserved in how much of it we get to see. So you're talking about the Holy Grail Mm -hmm. and that whole concept, but really all we get to see is a cave and an old knight and a bunch of cups. (laughs) <laughs> and it's completely satisfying. I, I do remember that scene where he's picking what it would look like <laughs> and his thought process for that. Yeah. And then, oh, man, anyone who's been to any sort of, like, Christian camps probably <laughs> seen the Indiana Jones thing with, like, the leap of faith. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so there were some pretty iconic scenes in that film. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Last Crusade. So good. So we'll park it at number four for now, and we will move forward because, man, these last few, they're doozies. And we'll continue the Indiana Jones train. (laughs) Poor Monty. (laughs) With Temple of Doom. Sorry, Monty. Yeah. Sandra, talk about Temple of Doom. Um, That is one. Is that the one with uh, Ka? (laughs) It's uh, Kali. 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 Yep. Kali Ma. Yeah, Kali Ma. Yeah. They do the chanting and everything. And the uh, the heart thing that just looks kind of that's weird and doughy. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the thing yeah. that sours the whole movie for me is that's what I remember most when I was a kid was yeah. that scene where like the dude reaching into the chest and pulling out the yeah. heart. And I'm yeah. like, that creeped me out when I was yeah. a kid. So I didn't see Temple of Doom until after I had seen... So Last Crusade came out in 89, so I was like eight years old. So a lot of these I saw delayed anyways. But I saw Raiders first, then I saw Last Crusade, and then my parents finally said, like, now we think you're old enough, you can watch Temple of Doom for all of these reasons. <laughs> so it, it was the one that I saw, saw the third of the three that I watched. I specifically remember watching Temple of Doom and thinking to myself, I don't know that I'm supposed to be watching this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think this might be a problem. I will say that um, it's weird to watch Raiders and then to watch The Last Crusade and then to watch Temple of Doom because the tone is very similar to from Raiders to The Last Crusade. You would assume if you just saw those two films yeah. that he never he wasn't fighting. He's always fighting Nazis. And that was always his enemy. Yeah, you would assume that it was always like kind of a good time, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's some supernatural elements, but it's yeah. kind of a good time. Yeah. Temple of Doom is a much darker film, um, and it has a very strange intro because it's like this. All of a sudden, it's taking place in China. Um, there's a there's a musical number. Um, it's 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 sort of the strangest Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, besides the things that shouldn't be mentioned ever again, um, <laughs> and 
But I still I still really enjoy it because of some of that darkness and having it as an alternative to the other two. I think it still fits in the same world, but yeah. it's different. Well, I feel like a lot of the imagery that we get of Indiana Jones mm. with the whip and like a lot of like the big hero imagery actually comes from this film. Yeah. And not from Raiders. So mm. like the scene with the bridge, oh, he's yeah. fighting mm-hmm. all those guys. Yep. Um, the mine, the mining car scene, mining car is a great scene. And just a lot of the big hero shots and stuff like that. A lot of that comes from this movie and not from the other ones. Like if you go ride the ride at Disneyland, yes, you feel like you're in temple of doom Mm. until the end. Yeah. Until the end. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's true though. It's uh, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. It has much more of that kind of feel. So, and that's weird because Visually, it captures Indiana Jones, but story-wise, I don't think it does it nearly as well as the other two. Not as well as the other two. but And one, it's technically a prequel, which is, is really confusing. Yeah, it is, because uh, the first Raiders is supposed to take place in 1936, and Temple of Doom takes place in 1935. And I think, I've mentioned this on another show. Oh, no, I actually mentioned this on the on our friends, uh, the Story Cauldron podcast. I'm pretty sure that the line from Raiders, wherein he says um, expert in the occult, comes from him saying that he's had this experience in, oh, uh, in, in India. Okay. I think it's India, right? <clears throat> I India, think, Pakistan. I think, I think so. Yeah. It's been a long time since I watched it. Yeah. It's crazy that it's been a long time since you've watched it, because I feel like you guys know so much about it. I'm just like, huh? Yeah. We have a ridiculous ability to I retain guess. useless well, information. Well, I've seen it so many times, so I, yeah. it's just all in there, yeah. Um, a few comments that have been thrown out about this one. We've had quite a few. Um, uh, <laughs> Caitlin says, thumbs down for Temple of Doom. <laughs> Chris Wetzel says, there's a debate on that says Spielberg may have directed Poltergeist. Oh, he wrote it, so... Oh, interesting. Um, Monty said, I did see part of Crystal Skull, unimpressed. Uh, <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. Never heard of that. Never heard of that film. Yeah. Probably yeah. a fan film or Caitlin something. Caitlin says, the jelly heart getting ripped from the chest yeah. traumatized her as a kid. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It'll so, do that to you. Chris Wetzel simply says, Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree. Okay, so I will say, I think... Temple of Doom, even for just the hero shots of Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. is I feel like it bumps it to number six. I'm down with that. I can go. Yeah. Number you okay six. with that? Okay. Whoops. This is audio gold. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Correctly placed at number six. So right now our top six we have Temple of Doom at six. Five is still an open slot. Uh, we have. Uh, Last Crusade at four, and then Jurassic Park at three. And then two and number one are both open slots. So. Yep. I feel like some stuff I'm might get out. shifted. I'm holding out for sure. Oh, we have some heavy hitters. Oh, yes, we do. Some really, really, yeah, uh, really I good feel ones. like we might have the biggest heavy hitter to talk about right now. E.T. Mm. E.T. E. Single-handedly saved Reese's Pieces. Was no, it in danger? True. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly it was like tanking as a candy <laughs> and then boom. And my husband loves it, so I feel like I'm very happy with the legacy of this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm giving him his favorite candy. I remember crying at this movie when I was a kid. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. What made you cry? All of it. Like, all of it? <laughs> well, it's there's like, so many scenes. It's he's crazy sad for a long time, and then it's crazy happy, and yeah. then, but still crazy sad. Yeah. And, yeah. 
Oh, man, the heartstrings. What I love about a lot of the films that Spielberg either directed or is attached to is it has, like, it's kid-driven. So the kids yes. yeah. are... It's got that sense of wonder. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. And it and it has to be kids because and if an adult were acting that way, I guess it wouldn't be okay. Yeah. But so you have these kids who are willing to, <coughs> you know... Get this alien and be like, yeah, come on, come on over right. and hang right. out. And yeah, ET was just such a great film. Yeah, you know, I have not gone back to watch it in a really long time, and I know that it's super iconic. And I wouldn't, I'm not going to argue with anyone for it being <laughs> iconic. Um, but for some reason, I remember seeing it as a kid, and I remember thinking like, it's good, but. It just stopped it. Is it's good? It, ne- it never went to. It's great. It never, for whatever reason, it never got there for me. I think it might have been because I was pretty terrified of aliens as a kid. Oh, so that might have had it. something to do with it. Like, just <laughs> was uh, it because you saw aliens? <laughs> no, because I was terrified as a really little kid. This is a really old reference, and no one will get this because we just asked you about this the other day. But I was super. Remember, scared we're both older than you. Yeah, so. yeah. Of of the yip yips on Sesame Street, I was terrified. Oh, really? Oh. They would come on, and I would leave the room. <laughs> I would run out of the room as a kid. So I don't know what it is. I probably have been abducted by aliens at some oh, point. Stop. And it is a repressed memory now. Anyways. So but I'm assuming you're both going to say that it's super iconic. This is yeah. my, this is Spielberg yeah. to me. Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's the logo for Amblin Entertainment. Yep. Yes, it is. It's, and, this is the Spielberg at his best for yeah. me. Okay. I feel like even to this day, like, I cannot meet anyone named Elliot and not want to say <laughs> Elliot or <laughs> like, ouch, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah It's yeah. just. There, there's a lot of iconic moments, especially the bike flying scene, the, the uh-huh. two of them. Um, they're just great. Like, you've got these kids who are, not only they, do they have an alien, but they could, like, evade the cops and <laughs> yeah. just, like, fly. That's <laughs> yeah. rad. Yeah. So. And all those woods, like, yeah. right by their houses. I'm like, I wanted to live there. Yeah. I remember watching this as a kid. And this is one of a handful of movies that made me feel this way. Like, there was Goonies. Mm-hmm. There was Back to the Future. And when I watched these movies, I felt like that was the world that I lived in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, this is my life. Yeah. But all these amazing things are happening to them. But the, the, the world that they built, the neighborhood that these kids Suburban lived in. Suburban neighborhood. And, yeah, and yeah. their friendships. Mm-hmm. It was like, it felt very real to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And it resonated very heavily. Yeah. Um, but there's so much in this. There's so much hope. There's family, mm. there's love, um, there's pet ownership. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not quite. But, and then this is a great example of what I was talking about earlier, where Spielberg introduces us to this huge, huge, huge thing, mm-hmm. but only gives us a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's about the relationship between Elliot and E.T. It's not about this grand existence of extraterrestrials. Right, right, right. <laughs> So, which is true in Close Encounters, too, which will spoil it. I, I will there, say but. that as, as far as iconicness goes, it, I feel like, I'm not sure of another movie that's done this, but it spawned a genre of, like, yeah. kid exploration of, mm-hmm. of new things. Totally. Were, I mean, I, I think, like, Stranger Things owes its, owes its heritage to E.T. Yeah, right? for sure. 
So and there's a bunch of movies from the '80s that do too. There's a movie called The Explorers. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Flight of the Navigator. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah. There's a whole bunch of them. Absolutely. So uh, the comments. Let's look at some comments. Yeah. Well, you guys do this. that. I'm gonna go get a, a cord for my computer. Okay. Caitlin, at the risk of sounding easily traumatized, says E.T. <laughs> e. traumatized her too as a kid. The oh. scene of the scary guys in suits coming in oh. um, to grab him scared her. Yeah. yeah, that is a scary scene. Mm-hmm. Just that whole home invasion it, concept. It and, has like so many different... Because it's not just a film without aliens. Um, it, it's also the film about like government coming in and yeah. you know separating... Um, even the child, like he, he ha- has to get kind of taken care of because he's yeah. getting sick, and so is ET. Yep. That's all happening, um, and then just like the, the child uh, adventures, that things that kids get into, you know. Yeah. I mean, if it weren't an alien, it's like you've got this kid who's over here. Yeah. And you're hiding them, and like the whole scene where he gets drunk, ET gets drunk, so then the kid oh, gets drunk. Oh yes. Um, that is just. And all the frogs and... Yeah, all yep. the frogs kissing the girl. Yes. Everything. So it, it felt like it was a lot of different types of movies, but that that was a little scary. I'd... Yeah. And just that whole theme of the adults don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to exploit everything and mm-hmm. dissect him and do all that stuff. Yeah. They don't understand the relationship. They don't understand the childlike wonder and but the, mom the simplicity. But the yeah. So that was that was cool, That's like true. the family support there. Um, Chris Wetzel says it deserves to be in one of the top spots. I do not yeah. disagree. <laughs> um, Caitlin says she thought the guys in the suits were aliens. Oh, I remember thinking that too. Hmm. That that does feel familiar to me. Chris mentions the psychic connection between Elliot and ET. Yeah. He said he never picked up on it as a kid. Um, yeah, that's a big part of it. And then Caitlin says the huge thing, but a little bit of it reminds me of, um, sorry, I'm misreading that. Um, a little bit of it reminds me of the girl in the red coat in Schindler's List. Oh. Um, and how he has us focus on the tiny details of a huge tragedy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest. I have not seen Schindler's List. What? Yeah. Okay. There's like a whole <laughs> And I'm going to be honest again. I not interested in changing that. What? Oh. <laughs> is that the worst thing I've ever said on this podcast? Maybe. Okay, so... Just because you don't want to be so sad? Is that what it is? Yeah. Ah. But yeah. I feel like you kind of... I don't want to get bummed out. <clears throat> Even if it's just for the score, because we talked about loving scores. Well, I can buy the score on iTunes. But, like, the moments that are attached <laughs> to that. But no, it, there's, a, there's an episode of Seinfeld where... Um, I, I think it's Jerry who hasn't yet seen Schindler's yeah, that's List. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ends up seeing it, but like making out with his girlfriend instead. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, mm, but so you got to see it. I have, believe you. that's on Netflix. Is it now? I just don't want to. I just don't want to be bummed out. It's no, no, no. There, it's not just bummed out. It's, I mean, it's also very beautiful. It's hard to watch, but you you realize at the end of it that you're like. Oh, I needed that. Yeah, I needed to watch that. I it, didn't. I didn't realize. In fact, I'll say this: um, a lot of people will talk about Passion of the Christ, and I, I was the same way. I, I was like, I do not want to watch Passion of the Christ. Yeah. Then I finally saw Passion of the Christ, and I went, "Oh, that's a pretty good film. Like, I, I can see how that's really what? good." I, I don't want to watch it again, but like, but Schindler's List, I didn't feel that way. I was like, "Oh, wow, that's different." Yeah, and I think that because he gets it right 
where I don't think Mel Gibson got everything right, but he gets everything right in Schindler's List. Does that make sense? Sure. You have to, you have to see it. But. it it's, I mean, I, I can totally get like, yeah, it's, I'm going to be sad. and But yet it has so many beautiful moments and Oscar Schindler makes that movie hopeful. Yeah. Um, and makes it inspiring. And the end is so beautiful. Yeah, the end is amazing. Yeah, the end is just like, it's all the fails for sure, but <laughs> you should see it. I think you should see it. I'm not going to promise it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not. You see that and I'll see Minority Report. Another one that I haven't seen that will shock people that I actually do want to see is Shawshank Redemption. Oh, I haven't seen that either. So good, really? And we can watch that together. All right, and we should do something on Stephen King. Oh, oh yeah, I yeah. would love that. I definitely. Love That's King. true. We could do like geek movies of Stephen King or something. Yeah. Did he make any? Well, <laughs> he, he made a few. Has anybody adapted Stephen King's work yet? Like a one or two, okay. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He hasn't written that much though. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's not very prolific. <laughs> um. So where are we putting I'm, E.T.? I'm going to throw it out there for me. E.T.'s number one. Oh, wow. If you guys want to argue with that, wow. go ahead and start I say arguing. Put it, I, you can put it there for now. Put it there for now, but I, I think I'm going to argue with you. Yeah, same. When we get to Raiders? Yeah. <laughs> or some other film. Yeah. Hey, speaking of which, let's talk about Raiders of yes. the Lost Ark. Yes. So, Jay, go for it. Well, okay. So so this, this film, to me, is the best film of all time. It is... Paced extraordinarily well. There is no better film I'm aware of that has the sense of adventure that this film has. Um, the opening sequence by itself is iconic. <sighs> yes. Uh, um, and I think that uh, for me, it just is is by definition a movie of all movies. It's just amazing to me. Like yeah. all of it's cool, and the fact that they got the character right. Um, you know, Tom Selleck was going to be originally cast. Yeah. And yeah, it would not have worked, but we had Harrison Ford. And this is, I think, like, like Han Solo was iconic, but when he did Indiana Jones after being Han Solo, that's what solidified his career, yeah, really. He's a scoundrel. Yeah. I don't, Harrison Ford doesn't seem to be the first choice for any of his iconic roles. No, I know. Because for Han Solo, it was supposed to be Peter Coyote, wasn't it? Uh, yes, that, it was somebody else. It was somebody yeah, else for sure. Which was, he was in E.T. He was like uh, the head scientist in E.T. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, talk about launching a career. I think that, that Indiana Jones did more for Harrison Ford's career than even Star Wars did. Because remember, Empire Strikes Back came out after Raiders of the Lost Ark did. So all he had was Han Solo from the from the original Star Wars, from yeah. New Hope. But yeah. So it's it's, it's by far... I used, I used to cosplay... As Indiana Jones before cosplay was a term. I'm not going to lie. I was at Disneyland with my family like a week ago. Yeah. I almost bought you a fedora. (laughs) That would have been awesome. I would wear it right now. Um, What do you think, Sandra? I mean... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I was going to just say, I think he's going to put it at one. Um, Again, I mean, I've seen the films. I... I know what's coming, so I would let you put it where you want to put it. <laughs> <laughs> because remember, now I'm coming from a horror background. Oh, that's, yeah. That's me. That was so you're totally gonna... my jam. So 
Chris Wetzel might might jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, he's a big horror fan. Big horror fan. Yeah, yeah. So we can put it for two. We can put it at two for now. Well, let me say a few things about it. So (laughs) this this one I feel is another example of Mm -hmm. his whole not having a giant concept and not showing us too much. Yeah. Even with when the arc gets opened at the end and. And all the demons fly around and the face melting, which scared the hell out of me <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be watching. This is a PG yeah, movie, I think. And it's before they had PG-13. But yeah. uh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just like, oh, frightening. Yeah. But so good. Yep. And yeah, you're right. The opening scene with the cave and the giant yeah. boulder. And In the reveal of Indiana Jones. So yeah. we're walking through the jungle and the two guys are starting to plot against him. And we don't see his face, but we see he's looking at the map, uh-huh. you know, and then he, then he turns around and then you're just like, whoa, who is this guy? You know, like, yeah. it's just uh, so. Yeah. And that's that's a credit to Spielberg. Totally. I mean, I do think it would like, like you can credit Harrison Ford for that as well. But that is just like it is quintessential Spielberg movie making. Yeah. Yeah. Caitlin mentions the switching of the bag of sand for the, yeah. For the idol. Yeah. Oh, I totally remember that. Yeah. I don't think I got it as a kid. I'm like, because he's like preparing yeah. to do it, you know. He's yeah. like, yeah. he's like winding up, and I'm like, why don't you just do it? Like, yeah, I, I didn't get the whole speed factor when right, I was a kid right. that it had to be done like that. Um, a few fun facts too, just because I know so much about this film. I I actually used to ha- own the Art of Indiana Jones books that that, that were collected oh, yeah. and stuff. But um, the scene where he pulls out his gun and shoots the guy with the sword. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford was sick that day, had yep. the stomach flu, and they were supposed to have. They actually have the um, what do you call it? Storyboards for the whole fight sequence, but they didn't do the fight sequence because Harrison Ford was like, "Is it cool if I just?" take out my gun and shoot him because I'm, I'm I don't feel good. And so they're like, yeah, let's just do that. So just cool stuff like that that yeah. worked its way into like how Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg had to go in the moment. Yeah, that's a great moment. Let's do that. Like, you know, like that's just crazy. So Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I feel like maybe one of the reasons that Spielberg, because when we think about him, mm-hmm. we think about these films. Yes. We don't think about so much the later work. Like we don't think about like Bridge of Spies and Munich right. and which are great, films. you know, even the BFG and stuff yeah, like this. Yeah. We don't think about those as much. And I feel like and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I feel like he thrived a little bit better before we had all this technology. Yeah, back yep. in a time when you were more limited. Mm-hmm. Like I watched. We'll get to this one next, but I watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind for the first time today. Yeah. So I'll talk more about this then, but just to be able to tell a story like that mm-hmm. at that time yeah. with the zero special effects computer resources that existed then, like everything was practical. You had to make it up. Yep. He was just a master of telling a story with just people on a camera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'll put all this other cool stuff on top of it. Yeah. But like you talked about the reveal of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, like just those iconic moments Yep. He was so good at creating that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And I feel like he still is. Yeah. But we don't care as much anymore because there's all this other stuff attached to it now. He was the director for his time in the early 80s. And he was creating films. I get the sense, I was born in 81, so I was born in the year this came out. And I get the sense that the early 80s was, and you can t- kind of tell from, from, from what you can see in Hollywood at the time. Yeah. It was this sense that, 
it was like a revival of the potential for what we could do in the world, right? It was it was starting to be a time of I think um, economic prosperity for the middle class, and we had come out of the '70s, which was like you know hippies and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like there was this kind of this thought process. It came along with a lot of bad things like greed and some of those. But like we are going to be the preeminent nation in the world, and we are going to bring forward this new culture. And so he kind of embraced that hope, but told that told stories that were bigger than life. And it was just captured so well for that time period in a way that I don't know that, you know, you'd you'd have to look at for our time period today, you'd have to look at a completely different set of filmmakers because even though he's amazing, it's not the right time for the amazing films that he had. Mm. If this came out now, we'd all be going, no way. There's no yeah. Mayan civilization. We would have seen this on YouTube. You know, like, creation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. The world's too small now. It's too small. Yeah. yeah, the world's too small. Yeah, it's true. Caitlin says, are we talking about George Lucas thriving I, without technology? <laughs> well, George Lucas Everybody. partnered partnered with um, Steven Spielberg for Indiana Jones. Yeah. So and definitely did thrive without technology. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And did, and not, did not so much with, thrive with technology. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. can we just go back to like walking trash cans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna add some more stuff to this film. Yeah. This is a total this is a total rabbit trail, but I watched a video on YouTube this week of um, special effects in movies that you may not realize were actually there. Oh. And there was one from A New Hope. Where it, talk, it was uh, the scene where they're raiding the Death Star mm-hmm. and the scene where the, the X-Wings are flying into the trench. Oh, yeah. And the wide shot of the Death Star, of the trench, yeah. right before they get there, is actually a matte painting. Oh, it's I know. It's not a model. They use matte paintings all the time. And then yeah. they shot a laser across the screen, and that's the cut where it goes to the model and you actually see them fly in. That's so cool. Because you wanted to see the stars and stuff in the background, and you, can't, you couldn't do that with a model. And I was like, I never noticed that. That was something that, was that they used frequently back in, in the, both Star Wars and Indiana Jones. They used yeah. matte paintings a lot. But just to do it so seamlessly like that. Yeah. I never oh, noticed it's crazy. that. It's crazy. I don't know if I could notice it now when I go there's and watch it. There's a shot in A New Hope where the, um, I, I believe it's A New Hope, where the, there's a shuttle landing on the Death Star. And all of that's a matte painting. And you, yeah. and you can't tell. It's all so detailed and so 3D in, his, in the way that it looks. Yeah. You just can't tell. Caitlin says, bring back puppetry and makeup artistry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she I, also says... I'm Kyoto Brothers, so I'm down for some puppets. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> she also says, another example of how awesome it is when it's real is the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Which I'll have to... I don't have that <laughs> that reference. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Oh, no? It's very <laughs> it's very well done. Yeah. The, Game of Thrones is... is um, I think Game of Thrones, because it's set in a fantasy world, it's definitely the show for its time now. Because in the 80s, it would have been seen as like, what in the world? Is There's no hope in this show at all. Um, but for now, where we... Isn't it kind of seen that way now, too? It is, but it, that kind of goes along with our culture, right? Like, our culture We're just... We're all depraved. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I've, I've only seen one episode of Game of Thrones, mm. and the, it was the first episode, season one, and I, and I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And that, like, the last, like, five minutes, I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. what yeah. is going on? Yeah. And I wasn't sure if I wanted more or if I was done. 
The, it's worse that. to read the books. So just FYI. I know it's a different conversation, but the books are even more intense because there's no, for me, there's no suspension of disbelief. Mm. So when, when characters are going through a situation, there's, there's, for example, some underage characters who go through some terrible things. Yeah. Well, there's a suspension of disbelief when you're watching um, the show because you're like, well, that actress, that actor, they're 28, right? Yeah. But when you're reading a book, there's, there's no suspension of disbelief. You, you, this person's 14. I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? Right? Like yeah. it's just much more depressing even than the show is. Uh, so yeah. Beautiful score though. Oh yeah. It's a really well done show. Yeah. So, and the new, and the, the new, some new star Wars movies will be directed by that crew that does game of Thrones. So that'd be interesting. <clears throat> okay. We'll stop bumming us out. Let's get, back. <laughs> let's get back to uh, demons melting people's faces yes, and Nazis and things like that. You know, such a hopeful way. <laughs> the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to blow up the arc, Renee. Okay. Here's what I propose. Yes. Since I'm, I'm guessing you're going to kind of defer to us on this one. Or, sure. Okay. Here's what I propose. Mm-hmm. I say we put this at two for now. Yeah. And we'll let the viewers hash it out when we get to that I say, point. I say that's a good call. Okay. Yep. But. Well, because we all have a different number one, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is going to be good. Okay. It's going to be real good. All right. Well, let's talk about our last film. Before we do that, and our last film, oh, Chris made a comment earlier that he said Jaws is part of this discussion, right? And nope, I'm. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> that just wrecked my number one spot. I'm, I'm, I'm like, he's officially a director here. So. Well, I'm, I'm open to being convinced. So convince me that Jaws is a geek film. Oh man, I feel like horror is a child. Of, it's a geek child. A, a, a darker one, but I feel like horror needs to be included in that. Now, who was your guest that you had on recently? And she was talking about horror films. Megan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Megan loves horror films. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, everything she was saying, I'm like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now I'm shook because I was expecting Jaws <laughs> to be on the list, and that was going to be my number one. Yeah. So I, I would say this. Horror is definitely associated with geeks, for sure. When I think about science fiction, fantasy, and comic books, a lot of horror will fit into comic books, and a lot of horror will fit into fantasy, Mm -hmm. depending on how you want to cut that. Um, One of the reasons we don't talk about it that much is because neither of us like horror movies, so we're not (laughs) part of that sub-genre. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I love Jaws. Jaws is is one of those movies that I do love. I guess the the definition of geek films that we've talked about, you know, amongst like the sci-fi, fantasy, comic book type stuff, I had trouble fitting Jaws into that, into that family. It feels yeah. like granted, it's the shark version. It's exaggerated of for Park. sure. Like if you, because you've got this creature, yeah. who's super huge, so yeah. it's it's not a normal thing, and. It's the same, and I mean, that's how I would argue it, is think of Jurassic Park. Like, they shouldn't be there. You know, it's not a normal thing for dinosaurs to be there. It's not a normal thing for a shark this massive to be there, and yet they that's are. True. That's and true. And the people are dealing with the repercussions of, of what's happening yeah. here. So, so basically, Chris, is Chris on that page, too? Is Chris saying basically that he well, thinks it's got to be geek? Viewers, so Caitlin seems appalled that Jaws is not on the list. Right? <laughs> so the rest of you guys chime in. 
Do you think we should we put Jaws in here? Do we need a bigger boat? Should we? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe also, we do. There's a comet that's in Jaws that just I don't know if you noticed. Like there's this one shot I was watching it. I, I want to say like a year or two ago, and I'm like, wait, what? What is that in the in the background? You see a comet, and it was just captured. It oh just no way! Got captured on film. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's just that's a cool. fact, but. That's an awesome fact. Um, Chris Wetzel does think that Jaws should be on the yeah. list. I'll just I'm, say, I'm okay with putting it on. I think we should we should let the people vote and put it on there. I will say this. I think they voted about yeah. why I would not count it as such, because uh, I think that the part of Jurassic Park that is sci-fi is the part where they bring them back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's what clearly makes that film a geek film. Um, whereas I think a large shark is just a large shark. It, they don't make a, it's not a, it's not a genetically modified shark. It's not a, (laughs) (laughs) but again, like just a large shark, I would say that I would say that it's one of those films that is like, I know granted you could make the same argument to be about Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. You could say there's nothing geek about Indiana Jones necessarily. Right. Like, that's, so I, I I would include Jaws in like in like the basic definition of like well fine we're including that so you got to include that as well I te- generally tend to include Indiana Jones under the fantasy category because it's like fairly out there and I could but, see that for Jaws because the shark keeps coming after them yeah so I mean I could see that I feel like we're gonna have to do it because everybody seems to want it included your own brother yeah. commented. <laughs> And said one could make an argument that monster movies definitely fit well in the yes. geek world. They could, yes. Jaws is a monster that. movie. You can make that argument. You can't get around that. That's true. So here's what I propose. Let's add it to the list. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's a bag over there. There's a No, 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 no. There's, there's pens in the bag. So we gotta, Grab a we pen so we down. can write it in. Um, here we go. Um, so we'll still talk about our other last film. And then... We only got room for 12 films, so we're going to have to bump something to make room for Jaws. Yeah. It's probably not going to be hard to do. Yeah. No. So here yeah. we'll use red to represent yes. blood. <laughs> so, <laughs> represent blood. So th- this isn't a geek film, but the movie Holiday, The Holiday. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Um, you sh- have you seen it? I think so. Like Jack Black. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, yeah. He composes um, scores and everything, and so he's saying, he's going through like all these different movies around yeah. Blockbuster, <laughs> and he's like, Jaws. He's like... Two notes. You got a villain, and I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> it's oh true. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Villain. So I'm gonna make the assumption that we'll probably put it higher than Christ- than Last Crusade. So yes. I'm gonna bump Last Crusade to five. Okay. I will attempt to write Jaws <laughs> right here. So we'll put it at number four for now, but we'll talk it out. There All will right. be a chance. Right. <laughs> so, and then we got one more movie to talk about. So, we have more notes, five notes, on this movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's right. So, our last movie is Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which I'm embarrassed to say I watched as a 41-year-old man. I watched for the first time today, (laughs) this afternoon, and I loved it. Yeah. It is so good. I I think I waited so long to watch it because people told me that it was slow. It is. And that it, but I didn't find it slow at all. I well, thought it was great. It's slow. I rewatched it because I hadn't seen it in forever. And mm-hmm. as I was rewatching it, I'm like, you know what? We're so impatient now. 
Um, and and only like certain films make you wait. Um, Wally is a um, you know a film that you have to wait for even dialogue. You know you've got yeah. this it's silent for so long and you have to wait. Godzilla, which I didn't really care for necessarily, but I did really like um, that you had to wait for the monster. I like that it it made made you wait, and of course back then it was a little bit more normal. But even with the score, like there wasn't really any music yeah. until later on in the film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah, a great. And it played such a big part. It did. Yeah. Um, have you seen it? Have I seen Close, Close Encounters? Encounters? I have seen it a long time ago, but I have seen it. Mm-hmm. So and what do you think? I'm on the it's sort of slow bandwagon. <laughs> um, I really expected to be like yeah. I was, I put it in and figured I would watch it in the background while I was doing some laundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had trouble doing the laundry because I'm like I'm totally engaged in this. Really, like, I just want to sit and watch it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have to watch it again. I think that uh, so let's 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 go back. Like this is the earliest film that we have on here, and so is, I think is Jaws before, before. this one. Jaws I think would have been Jaws is this. technically the earliest. Yeah, but this would have been I would have seen this before Jaws. And as a kid, I think as a kid, this movie does not have some of the awe and the amazing adventure oh, that yeah. that some of the other films we're talking about do have. You know, so that's that's where I would just land with it. I would just say kind of like, oh. yeah. I was just, it's. I think I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that I saw all these other Spielberg films before I saw this one. Yeah. Because I saw hints of them in this one. Mm. You know, obviously there's there's hints of what eventually became E.T. Yeah. And um, we talked a little bit about beforehand, and I think I put on Facebook, during the music for Close Encounters, at the end you can hear... Um, when you wish upon a star, mm-hmm. there's a few points where it's like, nee, 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 and hmm. they, they hide it amongst other like minor chords and stuff like that, but it's totally there. Yeah. But I didn't mention on Facebook. There's also a point when the ship is communicating with the people mm-hmm. that the ship only does two notes in succession, like three times. It goes, dur, dur, and oh, it totally really? does the oh, jaws wow. thing. No way. That's yeah. awesome. And this and this one came out after Jaws, so That's super that was cool. clearly a reference. Yeah, but yeah. same thing, like it has you know this giant world that we don't get to see a ton of, and um, and I, I had seen jokes about this movie. Yeah, like have you seen the Weird Al Yankovic film UHF? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he makes fun of the mashed potato thing. Oh you yeah, know, and. I'd Actually, seen... somebody commented. Didn't someone comment like mashed potatoes were never the same after that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I expected to find a lot of it hokey just because of all that stuff. But yeah, I loved it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it's super high on the list. But yeah, here's another uh, fun fact about this film: the spaceship used when you see the the, the view of the alien ship is actually the headquarters. The top of the headquarters from Blade Runner turned upside down. Yeah. Because they didn't have wow. enough, they didn't have enough budget. Yeah, they wanted to save money. <laughs> so they reused it. Um, do you want to put it? I mean, I think I think you could make a case for moving Indiana the both Indiana Jones films back and putting it at five. I would I'd still put it behind Last Crusade. Okay. I could put it above Temple of Doom though. Okay, slide it in there. Here for now we can just move the Story Geeks logo. Yeah. 
Slide Temple of Doom over. I do, now, I do think, like, when we start to talk about Iconic, that changes the discussion a little mm. bit. Because yeah. Iconic is related to how it ch- how it changed culture, how it had an impact on things. And I do think that Close Encounters um, had a lot of impact on later films. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was yeah. getting, like, Arrival vibes. Exactly. And con- exactly. Well, kind of contact, but... Exactly. Um, and then it, there are just, again, so many... So many times that you'll see close encounters of the third kind, close encounters of the nerd kind, close yeah. you know, just all these knockoff yeah. uh-huh. plays on yep. on that title. Um, so true. So even that movie, um, I think it was called like the fourth kind or something, or it was. Oh yeah, dealing with that was creepy. It was. So you loved it. <laughs> um, I I have like feelings about where where I am in the horror. Uh, okay. Like, okay. What I like and what I don't like, but yeah. Anyway, so. I, I feel like it's it. I would move it higher. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but it's part of it is because of my with Indiana Jones. Like uh, yeah, yeah, sure. All right, so let's kick one out. Well, real quick, one more thing I want to say: both Close Encounters and ET. Yeah. What I love about these is they're movies about encounters with aliens, and they're not horror films. Oh yeah. They're not. Stories about how these aliens are this malevolent force that's going to come destroy us. Yeah. Yeah. They're stories that show us that if there were aliens out there, that things like hope and love could actually transcend from one race to another. Yeah, it's true. From one planet to another. And there's so much positivity in that. And it's not cheesy. It's not hokey. No. It's just inspiring. Absolutely. I agree. So who are we going to kick out? Um, Comment-wise, real quick, not a lot of love for Close Encounters, oh, mostly because, wow. well, I just don't think a lot of people have seen it. Um, Caitlin said she thinks it started Alien movies, and Cody said Close Encounters belongs in the top ten, but not necessarily top five. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Cody, Why I thought we were, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> on yeah. the same page. <laughs> okay, but, so, here we have to do, uh, have you guys seen The Wall with Chris Hardwick, the new game show? No. No. Uh, then maybe I shouldn't make this joke. <laughs> There's a whole thing where green balls earn you money and red balls take money away. Oh. It's like, now we got to drop the red ball. Oh, nice, nice, if nice. my wife is watching, she'll enjoy that. <laughs> anyway, um, since we put Jaws in the mix, we have to knock a movie out. So Probably. the easiest choice is the BFG since mm. we have it sitting at 12. But mm. I could make a case for Lost World, though. Oh, I cannot. Since we couldn't remember it. <laughs> yeah. I could make a case for War of the Worlds. Oh, but I say Sandra BFG. I'm fine with BFG. Yeah, let's just take it. I'm fine. What do you live viewers think? BFG yeah. okay with you? Make live some comments viewers, real fast. Live viewers, which one goes? Yes, Monty, we voted Crystal Skull out early on, but since we added Jaws, we have to vote another one out. Yeah, we added Jaws. We didn't plan on adding Jaws. I did. The people have cool. spoken. <laughs> Caitlin says, "Keep War of the Worlds." Chris says, "Take out BFG." Okay, so okay, right. bye. We're good with that then. BFG. Go hang out with Crystal Skull. (laughs) So That'd be a weird mashup. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I feel like for our bottom six, we might be okay. So right now, the bottom six looks like number 12 is War of the Worlds. Mm -hmm. Number 11 is AI. Number 10 is The Lost World. Number 9 is Minority Report. Number 8 is Hook. And number 7 is The Temple of Doom. I feel okay about that. How do you guys feel? I feel pretty okay with that, too. Yeah. 
Okay. This is where it gets. Yeah. This is where the gloves come off. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the top six films that we have to finalize our order on here are E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, Jaws, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes. So I think that one suggestion I have... Those are six have, of the best movies ever made. I know. <laughs> one suggestion I have is that I feel like there's more passion for one through four. I do feel like we could switch five and six, but the yeah. discussion is mainly going to be how we order these four. Yeah. Well, how do you guys feel about that? For me personally, Last Crusade sits above Close Encounters. Okay, so it's easy easy for me to say that as for me as well, but... No, not for me, but I'm okay if it stays at six. Okay. I, I could see the argument that universally, Close Encounters had a bigger impact. Yeah, I definitely. Think, I think I would, I would make an argument that because we have Raiders here, mm-hmm. that's more iconic. Okay, all right. You know so let's I mean? move Close Encounters to five, and we'll bump Last Crusade down to six. Okay. But now the real fighting begins. <laughs> <laughs> so the top four, Jaws, Jurassic Park, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and E.T. Yeah. Those of you guys watching live, start throwing out what your ranking would look like. Yeah, do your one four. through four. Give Get, us your one through four. Make your voices heard. So again, let, let's, I think we should define what iconic is again. Yes. So definitely totally. um, having an influence on future films. Yep. And like mm. maybe launching that genre. Yep. On culture. Mm-hmm. How much how much it made? Was it considered a blockbuster? Did it you know, like some of those kind of mm-hmm. questions? Did it have a cultural impact? Did it have mm-hmm. an emotional impact? Yeah. Timelessness. Timelessness. Quality. Uh-huh. Yeah. Does it have a ride? <laughs> Does it have a That's ride? A good one. They all have a ride. They all have a ride. <laughs> this is by far the worst of the rides though. Well, this one's not that great of a ride either. This one, oh, I love Jurassic Park the good. ride. <laughs> I just like getting wet though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jaws is it's not really a ride. It's part of a it's, tour. It's part of, does it even it's, exist yeah. anymore? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think they took it out in Florida, maybe. Um Okay, so why don't you do you want to just go with what we would do and then and then we'll like argue from there? What, uh, you, you comment you want to no, I just Monty gave us his top four, and I like it. It's Jurassic Park, Jaws, E.T. And the BFG. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Sorry, man. We threw that one out. <laughs> yeah. That one's, that one's gone. So he said, what was his first? Jurassic Park. And then? Jaws. Jaws. And E.T. E.T. Okay. Do you guys weigh scores? Because I'm such a huge score fan that yeah. I count that, too. Oh, yeah. I would think the score is yeah. part of it for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I would weigh scores, but if I was doing scores only... Jurassic Park would probably be number one. That's one of my all-time favorite scores. I'm a little bit torn because um, this is my favorite movie of all time, right? But I I do think that Jurassic Park and E.T. have some of the more of the cultural impact, the emotional Mm -hmm. impact over this one. This one seems personal to me. This is a blockbuster through and through. There's no question. Yeah, Yeah. it's a blockbuster of blockbusters, you know, besides Star Wars. Um, so, but but I don't know. I think that, that like if you showed Jurassic Park today, mm-hmm. or if you showed ET today, I think it would outpace those two. Would outpace Jaws, don't you think? From an emotional impact, I think they're more timeless than Jaws. They're more timeless than Jaws. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Do you think so? I feel like if you 
if you're pulling um, from a group of geeks, yeah. you're going to have different feedback than the general population. So, yes. so the general population yes. would say, I think, Jurassic Park and Jaws <laughs> over Raiders and E.T. Interesting. Interesting. What other top fours do we have from the people? Um, Chris Wetzel says E.T., Jurassic Park, Jaws, Raiders. Okay, so he flips these mm-hmm. two. Caitlin says Raiders, Jaws, Jurassic Park, E.T. Okay. Um, Nerd Alert Collect Creative says, um, oh, he's talking about scores. He says, you're comparing she. she. Oh, sorry. The, the image is too small. I can't see it that far. <laughs> You're comparing John Williams with John Williams. So what's I know. the best John Williams score? <laughs> That's a good point. True. John True. Williams wins. Um, and then let's see. We've also got a vote for Last Crusade, Jurassic Park, Hook, and Raiders. Oh, hmm. wow. Okay. Um, hmm. Just to be clear, these top four are our top four. <laughs> there will be some semblance of these top four. Your top four can be different, though. For me? Yeah. I think I'm right in line with with Chris. I would go E.T., Jurassic Park, Jaws, Raiders. Got it. For me, I would say that I'm just going to go with Iconic here. I'm not going to go with um, my personal favorites because that's the Patreon Mm -hmm. video. Real quick before you do that, your brother Cody says Raiders, Jurassic Park, Jaws. So I guess E.T. would be number four for him. I'm probably... If if I'm considering just the one like my order of the ones I like and how I feel like they're iconic in my own life, I probably go that way. I think though that if I were to say what's most iconic based on our criteria, I would say Jurassic Park number one. Uh, I'd probably say Jaws number two, E.T. number three, and Raiders number four. Yeah. Okay, so Raiders yeah. is four no matter what. Yeah. That seems to be pretty mm-hmm. universal. Jaws is difficult to move. Jaws is difficult to move. <laughs> <laughs> So Raiders is four. I feel like, gosh. Because this movie is still watchable, and there's it no, is. there's very little, uh, what did you call it? Like, it, it's the, the, the tech still works. It's still impressive. Whereas this film, I think a lot of kids today might be like, uh, yeah, it's good, but the special effects aren't quite as yeah. good. Yeah. You For know. those of you listening, he's saying Jurassic Park oh, sorry. is yeah. watchable today, and yeah. E.T. is a little bit more dated. Yeah. Um, so I think here's our question. I feel like Jurassic Park is mm-hmm. taking number one or number two. Yes. So is it battling with E.T. or is it battling with Jaws? I would say Jaws. That's what I would say. I would say that it is battling. So I wouldn't have included Jaws in the, in the discussion, mm-hmm. but now that it's there, I would say it's battling with Jaws. Okay. I disagree, but I'll, I'll take the minority here and we'll bump <laughs> E.T. down to three. Okay. So another question is where does where does Jurassic Park and Jaws go? So guys watching the show, what's the best movie? What's the most iconic Spielberg film? Is it Jurassic Park, or is it Jaws, the one that I did not even put on the list <laughs> for the show? Yeah. <laughs> so and we won't just sit here quietly and wait until you type something. No, no I, I would just I would still go back to. I think Jaws is it, okay. So from the documentary, yeah, that's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. It's about um, Spielberg's career. Jaws was a piece together film. It's amazing that it's actually decent. Everything yeah. went wrong with Jaws. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that it's actually like 
all, even considered in this in this realm is sort of a miracle unto itself. Yeah. Whereas I feel like um, this film, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me and the and the and the age I was when mm-hmm. I saw both films. But I just feel like Jurassic Park just takes. If, if I'm gonna say that there that. Raiders is is the perfect film. Jurassic Park is so close. I mean, you talked about the banner falling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you talked about these like these cla- the rear view mirror. Yeah. What a fantastic shot. Yeah. Objects in rear view mirror may be closer than yeah. the side mirror. Maybe. I mean, just like these little tiny details that are just phenomenal. So. And it, but it has twenty years on Jaws, almost twenty. Exactly. Years. Yeah. Exactly. So exactly. that's kind of saying something that Jaws is even being considered. Totally. When it was one of his first films, nineteen. None of us were born <laughs> nineteen seventy five. It's true. So. That's very true. Here's where they're battling for me. Jaws is necessary for Jurassic Park. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. We wouldn't have gotten Jurassic Park without Jaws. True. Maybe that's a little too bold to say, but obviously there's inspiration there. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Jurassic Park is more universal because you don't look at Jurassic Park and categorize it as a horror film. Yeah. Which I think some people do about Jaws. Well done with yeah. the word choice that both those rides are at the Universal Park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's what I'm having a hard time with. Jaws is clearly the pioneer. Yeah. But Jurassic Park is more universal. And me being the kind of guy who does not automatically side with pioneers, I believe we learn how to do things better. Yeah. And I believe that later iterations can surpass the pioneers. I'm curious to see if, if Monty's still on and, and Cody and Sarah... Nerdler Creative. I'm curious to see what ah. they what they think. Well, here's what we have so far. Yeah. Chris Wetzel sides with Jurassic Park. Okay. Caitlin sides with Jurassic Park. Sarah sides with Jurassic Park. Caitlin says that Jurassic Park opened up a whole new world of CGI. That's true. That's not that something we true. talked about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, no word yet from Monty or anybody else. Okay. According to his earlier list, it looks like Cody would put Jurassic Park above Jaws too. So it sounds like above quite Jaws a bit also. Of Obviously, it's above Jaws support. too. Support. <laughs> quite a bit of support then for Jurassic Park yeah. to be number one. It's still a solid list. If Jaws is two, exactly. and it wasn't even going to be on the list. Yeah, exactly. I'm and happy. I still have to cry about this being four. Oh. Um, so let's go ahead and put it there, and let's recap the list. Okay. Count down from twelve. Here is our official top twelve most iconic Steven Spielberg films. Do you want to count it down for us? Yeah. All right. So 12, we have War of the Worlds. 11 is AI. 10, The Lost World. 9, Minority Report. 8, Hook. 7 is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 6, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. 5, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. 4, Raiders of the Lost Ark. 3, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. 2, Jaws. And number 1, Jurassic Park. There you have it. Woo! If we had the music, we'd play Jurassic Park music right now. Yes, we would. Have you seen the... If I had a keyboard, I could play it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen the version where they have that scene and the the score plays and it's all majestic, but instead they replace it with like, I think it's like a kazoo or something. (laughs) It's hilarious because it's like you're waiting for that moment. And the just the music to swell and it's like her her her. <laughs> it's the best. That's awesome. Uh, well, 
Is that it for today? That's it. Oh man! Thanks everybody on. Thanks who's watching live for joining us. Thanks yeah. you for all your comments. Don't I can't seem to say the phrase "thank you." <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Don't forget. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, no matter where you're listening. So make sure you subscribe and leave us a comment on our blog or on YouTube. Um, and before we close out the show, I will read an iTunes review very quickly here. Luckily, there's a lot of good ones. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can do one as well, and we will read it on the show if you do one. So this one comes from Sleepwalker42, and they say that this is an important podcast with a five-star rating. Many shows attempt to do what the Story Geeks podcast does, but few do it as well as Jay and his crew. Every bit of media that we consume carries with it ideas, questions, and presuppositions, and this podcast does an excellent job of helping people think through those matters. If you are looking for a show to help you think deeper about issues that you are already subconsciously thinking about, I strongly recommend the Story Geeks. So thank you, Sleepwalker42. That's, that's, that's awesome. really awesome. Yeah, that's a really fantastic review. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for taking the time to do that. Yes, thank you. Well, before we wrap up, Sandra, tell us where everybody can find you. Oh, yeah. Where can give people us a, find me? Give us a reminder on what you're doing <laughs> so we can all go find what you're doing. I am on Twitter at sand underscore rad. Uh, also on Instagram, sand, sand underscore rad one, I think, because somebody stole it. Oh. Um, and you can find our show at 21, excuse me, 2819 show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, definitely go check that out. I think you guys will really enjoy that. Links to many of the things we've talked about today are in the show notes. Uh, also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. We're about to get into some Patreon content that will only be able to be seen on Patreon if you support us on Patreon. And remember, that's only $3 a month to access that exclusive content. And we just really appreciate you supporting us. So even if you never look at that content, you get to support us, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so we really appreciate that. To do that, head on over to www.thestorygeeks.com. Yes, and share us with your friends as well. If you want to reach Professor X levels of influence in your life, Share us with your friends. Let them know about the Story Geeks group. Send them to thestorygeeks.com and uh, help us spread the word. Absolutely. And as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories. Always seek the truth. See you next time. (laughs) 